I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Persuade Bunny Kitty Wet Paint on Rebel Radio. Keep kidding. Uh, go fuck yourself, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh, Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine, and I have a great interview to share with you today. My man Persuay from San Diego. Uh, he's a graffiti artist holding it down there for a long time. We've worked together a little bit over the years, and I'm a big fan of this dude and, and everything he's doing. So in addition to... You know, his his own work under the name Persuade, murals, all, all that stuff. Uh, he's also created a character called Bunny Kitty, which is kind of an anime style character that he's built into a brand with clothing, uh, with a book, some other fun stuff coming out that he's going to talk about. And it's, it's amazing what he's done with that brand. And if that's not enough, he's also created another brand called Wet Paint which is a project of collaborations that he does with other artists. Um, and he's just got some great insights into the idea of brand building in this space and how he's creating and managing all this at once. He also, he started his career as a designer at DC Shoes, um, you know, one of the first skate companies uh, out there and, and shares some great lessons about that. And um, it's just, it's good stuff coming up with Persuade. I was hanging out with, uh, you know, my crew in high school and this guy was Filipino. And so, you know, we, it was only a matter of time until we met him and he was, he had the black book and I asked him what it was and he, he opened up the book and he was like, well, this is my Bible. And it was full of like every single page was airbrushed and design markered, like beautiful burners, you know, like really futuri futuristic styles. And I'd never really seen it 
right in front of me before, you know, like in person. And I think that just with the timing, what was happening in music and I was getting into skateboarding. And when I saw that, it just clicked. And I was like, I want to do that. And that night, after knowing him only for a few hours, we went out that night with a van full of friends and wreaked havoc all over the freeways and um, nice. suburbs suburbs of San Diego. <laughs> what was that feeling that first night? Loved it. Yeah. But I was frustration too because I was such a toy that I couldn't get the paint to do what I wanted it to do, what my mind was thinking. Yeah. I couldn't make the paint do it. Sure. So Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that, that takes the work, right? Yeah, and I think naturally, like, I'm a little competitive with myself. And so um, it was like, well, I'm going to get better at this. Yeah. And so I completely, like, just head first into it. Yeah. I've heard people, I think, I think you know, we had Saber on the show. Um, uh -huh. He talked about, you know, from that first time, like, feeling kind of an addiction. Yeah, I think that's, I could relate to that. And it was just from that day on, it was like, I was doing okay at school but after that i was it was i was drawing on the desk yeah. i was drawing all over my homework but i've always drawn on my homework um i stopped doing homework i started started playing hooky from school to go jump in my friend's car to go look for graffiti around san diego in the pits mm -hmm. and look for other writers and stuff like school was like out the window for me at that point um so uh yeah it completely took over so i could agree to that addiction kind of feeling yeah I get it. uh saber on another level i mean that guy i mean what a what an amazing career oh, and yeah, uh, sure. amount of body of work that he's done illegally and legally just yeah yeah real, real individual yeah so, uh but you weren't thinking of it as a you're, you're not seeing it as a career at that point Oh, not at all. Uh, I I had um, I was going to join the Navy because I wanted to get out of San Diego and I wanted to see the world. And it just so happened. Uh, I mean, I was doing some pieces. I'd already been taken on like as a, a, a an apprentice for a, a graffiti writer, a, a king down here in San Diego. He goes by the name of Quasar. Mm. He was already really established and he saw the uh, potential in me and kind of pulled me under his wing and got me away from a lot of the like bullshit like that was happening like uh with tag banging and all that stuff and he made me real focused on uh you know stylized you know like getting better at style and techniques and going out and painting and traveling and um connecting with other like-minded individuals mm -hmm. you know like really opened the door for me to that like the insight yeah um and uh so what's the second part of the question well i was just wondering at, at what point does it go from oh we're making making money yeah making so, money or or feeling like this this is what i'm gonna do for for my life I, I think it was well for me it was when i met ken block on a phone call uh, i was painting a skate shop and I, I wasn't getting paid i think they were giving me like clothing or a deck or something i got a full deck for painting the skate shop uh -huh. and, uh, Ken Block, uh, this guy, the owner was buying eight ball at the time and was like, Hey, you know, there's this t-shirt company called eight ball and, you know, maybe they'd be into working with you. And, um, I called him and he was like, well, if you draw something up on, uh, and, 
you know, send it to us. And if it's good, we'll put it on a t-shirt. And I I love that idea. I love like having something like, Oh, it's just another area that I haven't touched at the time. And I was young. I I think I was 18 or 19. And uh, I gave him that design on a subway napkin because I was making subway sandwiches (laughs) at the time. And, um, the t-shirt went, uh, did really well. And, uh, so that led to him buying all sorts of art out of my black book. And it was a a really nice check for the time. And I was like, Oh, wait a second. Like, uh, I think I got something here. And I called the recruiter up who was, uh, recruiting me for the Navy. I had like one signature left to get into, you know, just like my placement, you know? And, um, I called him and I, I told him, hey, I'm not coming to the Navy. I, I've got another calling. And he was like getting real pissed off and hostile at me on the phone. I was like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Wow. And so I found myself working in the warehouse uh, at 8-Ball. And then we had just started to launch drawers. Mm-hmm. And then we launched Dub and then we launched DC. So I was the founding artist for all those brands while moonlighting as a graffiti writer, which was amazing because skateboarding, you know, they have these quotes like graffiti saved my life and skateboarding saved my life. And I think both of those kind of like uh, industries uh, really had a lot to do with shaping me to who I am today. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I, I had spent decades in the industry building brands. Yeah. It's kind of like the man behind the man in, in so many ways, you know? Yeah. I want to talk to you about Fiverr. You know, for 2020, there's no such thing as business as usual. Every company I know, every company you know, is figuring out new ways of getting things done. We're working remote, some companies are downsizing, all the events are moving to virtual, even this show, we used to record every episode face-to-face, now we're doing video chat, phone chat, et cetera, et cetera. If you own a business, pivoting quickly is hard enough, but finding the right people that you can trust to make it happen, that's the key to success. Fiverr is a great freelancing platform that helps you find talent to build your online presence fast. Whether it's building your first website, designing social graphics, you gotta have the right people and getting the wrong people is disruptive to your business. So Fiverr lets you hire freelancers who have proven track records and clear pricing. You're not in the dark, you're not haggling. It just makes everything easier. Use Fiverr to connect with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services from graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, uh, pretty much anything you need done that can be done remote, which is, as we've learned, is everything uh, you can do on Fiverr. You can work with confidence, knowing exactly what you're paying for upfront. The payments are released to freelancers once you've approved the work. They have 24-7 customer service, so anytime you have an issue, Fiverr is there to help you. Find talent today at Fiverr.com and get 10% off your first order using our code REBELRADIO. All the digital services you need are in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com, code REBELRADIO. Again, that's Fiverr.com, code REBELRADIO. Tell tell me about that, Um, you know, working with Ken and Damon. um, You know, obviously now we know the history of DC and how you know, the massive influence they've had on culture. Yeah, big time. Um, what was it like working with those guys? What would you learn from oh, them? Oh, a lot, man. I learned a lot about marketing, a lot about production design and development being finished. Um, 
having an idea and seeing it all the way through, right? Yeah. Uh, so this opened up the, uh, you know, that educated me like hands on real time on how to, you know, uh, be a part of a company. Uh, and the first time I, I worked with them a couple times, almost three times. Mm. Uh, the first time, like I said, was like uh, around 92. And I worked with them for a couple of years before they let me go because they only let me go because I didn't know how to use the computer. <laughs> and the computer, the personal computer and the graphic design was so new. Crazy. And uh, they needed someone, like Ken needed somebody to like help him with the workload because it was getting busier and he had all these brands, right? Yeah. And he was really the graphics guy. He was really in charge of, you know, the, the visual and, and the overall aesthetic of those those brands um where damon was doing a lot of the clothing design and development mm -hmm. for them uh so they let me go and i went to go work with tony magnuson at evil and nico at evil and learned the computer and then a couple of years later they ken called me up i think might have only been a year later called me up when uh he had hired an aliasha from fat farm and mm -hmm. mecca mm -hmm. and they were like, hey, you know, we'd like to have you come back up and interview. We really like you as a person and your, you know, what you've brought to the table in the past. And the company's different from what it was when we first started. So why don't you come up and interview with Ollie? And so I did. So I met with Ollie and, and Ollie looked at my work and he was like, you're hired. And that was it. So I came back to D.C. and worked with Ollie again from like 90. 96 until 90, 98, perhaps. I think Ollie had left there to go do alphanumeric, and I stuck oh, around yeah. for a little while longer than I left there to go start Circa. Mm -hmm. So, but I learned, I learned a lot from Ken and Damon. That, they were great managers and bosses to work under. Uh, they had a, a really strong vision for their brands, yeah. really focused, and I think that we see that still today echoing within the ethos of DC, even though they're not hands-on involved sure. uh, anymore. Yes. You see everybody kind of looking back at the era of when we were doing it and, and the influence we had on the market at the time and what made it so cool mm -hmm. was that we were these kids that designed all this stuff and made all this really cool product without anyone telling us what to do. We just did it, you know? Sure. Yeah, that's so, huge. Um, I think that helps with the success. I mean, first of all, how funny to, uh, you know, it, just the thought of, like, not knowing how to use computers now is, like, yes. so crazy, right? Yeah, and I was a little embarrassed. I was pretty pretty sad with the day I came to work at D.C. and the warehouse manager had a check for me, and mm. I just remember being just emotionally, an emotional wreck. Of course. And But I, I had a job in the next four hours when, you know the company is you know when tony magnuson heard i didn't have a job he was like he just swooped me up yeah so i was really fortunate in that in that light there wasn't a, a lot of graffiti writers at the time or people that had what i was doing uh it was like a handful of us right so like uh it wasn't really saturated there weren't like a lot of people on computers yeah, and of course. all this stuff but it became um an industry standard in a sense you know that to hire a, a graffiti writer to you know make your brand look really cool totally yeah. um what do you you know graffiti and skateboarding both 
are like, you know, like they, this. Well, yeah, and and you know, I think what they have in common is, you know, these underground movements that now are just global, you know, right. sort of mainstream. Um, yeah. What do you think? What what's that done for the culture? What what do you think is the the is there a downside? Is it is of it, creating an industry? Well, just of of kind of where it is today. <laughs> I think. Uh, well, I think it's like for for a graffiti writer. I think we look at it as like, well, who's paid their dues, right? right. Who's actually put in the work? And with technology, it's it's it blurs the lines, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's hard for us to trust the movement in a sense unless you're being vouched for. Right. Um, as far as the industry, us creating an industry, I thought it was exciting times because I think that my generation helped spearhead that as well. Absolutely. Um, I don't know, you know, if it really helped anybody. I think no. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. I, I don't know if it was really like a royalty program in, put into place, kind of like how skateboarding um, was. You know, like the skateboarders really kind of take care of each other. Right. I don't know if there's a brand out there that's actually putting royalty checks or money into these writers' hands. I don't know because I'm not sponsored on that level. Sure. But. Um, sure. The free paint is always a, a gift and, and a blessing as well, mm -hmm. uh, except that when you have to move studios or your collection, it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. But it's all the things that we, you know, growing up, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a, uh, a video game, a graffiti video game? Yeah. And then Mark Echo makes one. And then uh, I found myself, I bought it and I played it. And I was like, wait a second, I do this shit in real life. Like, <laughs> Why the fuck am I playing a video game? Right. That's hilarious. <laughs> but it was a rap video game. It was cool, but, you know, I, I would rather just really go out there and paint yeah. myself yeah. instead of virtually. Um, I think also what the what uh, the Internet has done is blurred the lines of cultural, like, kind of aesthetic and styles, whereas, like, Philly has done a really good job at creating a bubble around their aesthetic, mm -hmm. right, with their wickeds and their tags mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, graffiti letters and styles, you know, you have people uh, in Asia that paint like people in L.A. and yeah. vice versa and all that stuff, and which is part of the evolution of it. But I think that we eventually see individuals that rise above all of that, that have a unique style and bring something new to the table. So, you know, I kind of straddle the fence of, like, whether, you know, what we've done is good and bad, but you know, it's just part of the evolution. So you just kind of ride that wave, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, personally, I, I, you know, I think it's amazing. I think that, yeah. you know, to see art come, you know, literally from the Bronx in East LA into it, yeah, you know, every corner of the world to see, um, the, the diversity, not just of, of artists, but of art, you know, that you have yeah. people like Shepard who take the game in a whole different direction, right? you know, with some good and bad attached to it, but nonetheless, right, that creates, it creates opportunity, it inspires, you know, next generation, um, yeah. you know, which I it think art cultures, really brings cultures together, 100%, you know, um, 100%. I've 
traveled the world since the 90s and broke bread in farms of Vietnam and and you know under bridges of uh, in Korea and yeah uh yeah. daytime illegals and stopping traffic in China you know with riders and it's all incredible. that stuff and, you know and then just it creates a rad network you yeah. know of, of friends around the world globally and then we have each other to turn to for sure most of the time you know um yeah so 100 percent, man yeah it's been it's been awesome yeah so um one of your projects uh, bunny kitty um how did that which which i think is you know i mean i love the character and the 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 storylines um thank you um how does but but it's so unique in your body of work Um, it is far away and far removed from all the skate and hardcore work that i put in through the years because it has a very kind of like soft look to it totally yeah and very you know uh cute right Uh, so 20 20 years ago when i developed the character it didn't look cute at all Mm. um Actually, I want to say I have a drawing of it right here. Oh, cool. Yeah, somewhere. I just got to find it. It's somewhere in here. It's the first drawing of Bunny Cutie. Here it is. Oh, wow. That's so different. Isn't that different? Yeah. This is 2001. I That's a picture of me the first time I painted it. Wow, that's awesome. And, and at that point, I didn't think like, oh, well, I want to turn it into something. And I, right. I, through the years, I, I want to say I'd already been in the skate industry for over 15 years. And it had so many brands that I had touched that had been successful and done really well. And I had a lot of people asking me, like, well, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, when are we going to see a Persuade brand or right. something like that, right? Yeah. And I think it was just... I had drawn this picture and then I was like, oh, I'm going to draw it again. And um, it got a little bit more cute Mm -hmm. as I went on with it. And I was like, well, what if I created a story around this? And what if I created products to accompany that story? And I could create something because I, I grew up in a time when everybody was talking about how negative graffiti was and how we were all the so, you know gangsters yeah. and bang and all that stuff and okay yeah we ride parallel and there's a part of that that is is true mm-hmm. at the same time there's a lot of positive things that we do as artists and as graffiti writers as well um, that I think that the media at the time really didn't understand absolutely uh, and uh, so my retaliation to them was bunny kitty Mm -hmm. in this mindset that i was going to create something so positive and it it would come out of graffiti uh where in the end like i could be like this whole like you know (laughs) type yeah type thing you know to go against everybody that said that graffiti was negative and really like what bunny kitty has done is touched so many people's lives you know of all ages and it's been kind of like a really cool Thing to be a part of sure. and to to be you know so um bunny kitties led to a lot of exciting things um a lot of things that i never really saw happening um what do you mean well you know traveling and doing street art events um doing uh, i had a show in shanghai that was uh, a mix between two different 
IPs that I have. One is uh, Wet Paints, and one is uh, Bunny Kitty. And so, like, I, I was able to build out the entire this entire building uh, into a Wet Paint Bunny Kitty experience with inflatables and a New York subway station and oh, that's cool and stuff. Yeah, it was over the top. It was crazy, and so I never really saw that coming. Even though, like, it was something that I've always wanted to do, but it happened. So, um, it, it it's been in the works for a long time. I'd written a, a book, The Origins of Bunny Kitty. Mm -hmm. um, for the people that aren't familiar, I never I never thought that I would be an author in my life. It's like the last thing I ever thought. <laughs> <laughs> the Origins of Bunny Kitty, I wrote with my late mom. She helped me edit the story and she wrote the magic spell. And then I hand painted all the pictures inside. Cool. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, this is the first adventure book of Bunny Kitty, and and since quarantine, I've sat down and I finished the first draft of the uh, the second book, where it gets a little bit more uh, raw and it's aesthetic, and I introduce villains and oh, nice. uh, different parts of a story that aren't in the first one. So, um, yeah, but to go back when I first started Bunny Kitty painting it in the streets, I mean, I was painting it next to revoked pieces and rhyme pieces mm -hmm. and my pieces and. Wayne and all these people people got behind me but there was a group of people that were like oh persuades bitch made you know he's putting flowers next to his graffiti but like <laughs> I didn't invent that I really saw that from the Smurfs and yeah. there was a crew out in uh, a writer out a writer or a crew out in Denmark toys mm -hmm. and I always saw him put flowers around his pieces I thought it was real dope you know and there's nothing there's nothing uh soft about flowers we need flowers in order to sure. live on this planet man yeah. so like you know i don't know what people are saying so so that was that was many years ago and you know time's gone on and i've i've proven to myself i guess that there is a space for bunny kitty in the world you know it's change is hard right if, for artists, you know, people expect to see you do the same thing that they've seen from you before. Yeah. And, uh, and but it's interesting you say that, you know, you kind of had to see that for yourself. I did. I did. And it, it was difficult because I, I questioned myself already as a, a creative. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear certain things about something you love uh, from people that you want to respect, yeah. it's... Um, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. So uh, uh, does, does that ever end, the questioning yourself? No. <laughs> I feel that I've gotten more refined as an artist uh -huh, and in yeah, my sure. aesthetic and, and my approach. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, fortunately, my fiancé is there to be like, hey, babe, no, this is really strong work. You're, you're, you're badass, yeah. you know, or... I, I would maybe add something more to it, never really harshly critiquing me, mm -hmm. but like subtly like giving me insights. And there's only a handful of people that I open up like that to. Yeah, of course. Probably count them on one hand. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so when when Buddy Kenny kind of starts taking off, like, how do you, how does that change things for you as far as? Um, because it's one character, right? And then you do other, you know, you have other work, other projects outside of that. Bunny Kitty is a cast of characters. So there's um, 
28 characters in the, oh, in wow. the Bunny Kid universe. Amazing. Um, in the first book alone, I probably tell the story of uh, six or seven of those characters. And in the next book, I add another six or seven. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these characters in between that I'm trying to fit into the stories as I go. Oh, cool. So it's a vast, it's a vast universe. As far as like developing characters, like if you wanted me, hey, Dave, could you take these glasses and make a character out of them? I could, I could do that for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I do that still, you know, like outside of Bunny Kitty, I'll create different characters and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, with wet paint, it's been a nice escape from Bunny Kitty, even though like she acts as the mascot for that uh, that movement. So yeah, talk um, talk about wet paint a little bit, how that came together. So wet paint is the painting of graffiti on these MTA signs that I found while taking the uh, train to my studio in Red Hook mm-hmm. in New York. So I was living in New York, and there's these signs that the MTA makes and uh, it was part of their campaign during uh, the fight against graffiti and it still is since sure. the 80s and um, people have taken these and made artwork out of them but not in the in the same vein that I had yeah. and uh, or maybe they have I, I want to say actually I showed a piece at the museum we had a wet paint show at the beginning of this year um, and there was a piece that Dr. Dax gave me to show of Stay High. Mm-hmm. And that was dated 04, I think. And so, like, he was, I mean, he was the type of dude that was just kind of grabbing. He would grab things and write his name on it. And he was hustling. And, yeah. I mean, I bought a, quite a few little canvases on uh, from him back in the day. You know, like, he would show up at a wall and have a, a stack full of Stay High canvases. And everybody would crowd around him and, you know, 20 20 bucks a pop. Oh, that's cool. you know? So I was real fortunate to meet him and yeah. and, and get that and also show a, a, a stay high wet paint sign in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but we turned this into kind of a, a an ongoing traveling show that I curate with uh, my buddy Wayne, COD in the Bronx. Mm-hmm. And um, we invite uh, our peers, our graffiti friends, our street art friends, our, our designers to have a crack at this. And then... Um, we have art shows and do product design and, and drops like clothing and hats and stuff like that, very limited amounts. And we, we've done, I want to say, six shows. So we've done New York twice. We've done um, Tokyo. We've done China, Shanghai, mm-hmm. uh, Philly, of course, and Miami. And we were in talks uh, to do uh, a few more shows, but everything's kind of on freeze, obviously, at the moment. So I'm just kind of curating a future show without any real kind of like solid plans. Yeah. 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 But it's been uh, it's been a great ride. It's funny that uh, this whole wet paintings kind of exploded the way it has. And it's just it's one of those things it's like you know when you get an idea and you have this intense idea and then you know like okay what steps can i take to get this out there to people and for wet paint it was just a matter of inviting those people that i've been um either like grown up with or uh wanted to collaborate with through the years and reach out to them i found that a lot of them were really supportive and and into 
backing us uh, when it came to the shows and, and stuff like that. So it's been a it's been a great success. I mean, I love that that idea. It's so like it's so simple, and yet you know it really like you know to me one of the things that's so interesting about graffiti is how much collaboration there is. Yeah. Um, and you know, oftentimes that's these huge murals that are really involved, and like, and you're presenting a platform that's that's you know so easy to to get artists involved and and uh, yes. continue growing. I, I think it's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Appreciate it. It's funny. It was like uh, the uh, it took a lot of uh, struggle to get to that point to find <laughs> something like that. You know, Is that right? uh, because I, I had. I had was living. I was born and raised in San Diego. I live here now again, but I had moved to New York to do to try to get the Bunny Kitty book off the ground. See, I had the writing of the of the script of the first book sitting in my computer for eleven years, mm. and it wasn't until my mother came down with Alzheimer's that I and I lost my job in the industry, and I was living off unemployment. Where I was like, if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it now, sure. and then I had to invite from some friends out in new york to try to make the move easier and why don't you come to new york it's the place where creative thrives and fine art strives and stuff like that and so i put everything into storage and uh had very little to uh little money to my name and i went out there and i took a chance yeah and made the sacrifices of leaving my seven-year-old daughter at home mm. uh to prove to her that sometimes in life that you have to take these uh, or make these sacrifices in order to get your dream and in, into a reality absolutely without any promises sometimes you know uh, it it's really it was really stressful I, I attribute most of the gray in my beard to the experience in New York <laughs> and, and real winters yeah <laughs> no kidding <laughs> Being a San Diego kid, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, in the in the end, you know, Bunny Kitty rose out of that, and um, it, it it was initially very well received. But it took me still a lot of work to travel and do comic cons or design cons and book signings and workshops and elementary school readings and library readings, all sorts of stuff in order to share Bunny Kitty to a handful of people at a time, right? Wow. Uh, and I think it was my mother's passing that helped gas and fuel that and knowing that I needed this as a way to heal from that. Yeah. And um, also, uh, you know, in order to prove to my family that I wasn't just twiddling my thumbs what? and myself. I mean, that's uh, those are such big life lessons. Yeah. Um, so, how, how do you carry those? How do you use those lessons now as you as you go forward? Uh, it's nicer to know that I have things that are a little bit more rooted, and people are behind. You know, sure. like I really have like really loving Bunny Kitty fans, and I have people that really love wet paint or both and vice versa or yeah. one or the other, whatever. Um, and I just apply what I've learned through the years of the, in the industry and uh, what I've learned in the streets. And um, I just apply that, you know, and 
I try not to overwhelm people with uh, asking them to purchase things all the time. I only make th- you know certain items at certain times within my means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm my own. There's, it's like a two-person, you know, I, uh, company. You know, like I'm me at the helm, and then my fiance helps, and of course Wayne helps with curation and, and insight to stuff. Right. Um, but in the end it all falls on my shoulders and so like um you know i just kind of uh you know take it take it real serious but at the same time i i i, I try not to make it seem like you know i i'm here just for your money i'm, I'm also here for your entertainment sure. and for a, sure. a distraction from all the shit that happens in our lives right i mean to me that's that you know that's that diy ethos Ooh. the way that that Dubbing drawers got started, right? Like, yes, and I think that's why I relate so well to the um, to skateboarding cultures, you know, yeah. uh, and also even gang culture in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. <laughs> those those three graffiti gangs and and uh, skateboarding kind of ride those parallels, you know, all together. Absolutely, especially here on the West Coast. So, yeah. I mean, for people maybe out east they never really got the whole tag banging thing like that didn't exist out there you know like people got jumped for their paint right and stuff like that and beat up but um i mean you got fools being murdered on their doorsteps yeah uh down here in san diego and and different places which is a damn shame you know If you're enjoying this one, uh, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Another great legendary graffiti artist uh, who was also one of the early pioneers in streetwear, OG Risk. Uh, is a great interview talking about how he built the Third Rail clothing line as well as his own brand and an amazing career that is now uh, several decades on. Go back and check that one out. What else, where are you looking for inspiration kind of you know on on the new stuff that you're doing I think uh, well with um, with my stuff it's like life imitating art mm-hmm. so it's basically the life I've lived with uh, my family my friends my experience of traveling how extensively um, the lessons I've learned along the way my vivid imagination and uh, being caught in daydreams. Um, I think daydreaming and dreams have a lot to do with it. Sure. Uh, sure. Um, I do, uh, you know, once in a while I'll do psychedelics just for my mental state. Nice. Uh, for meditation reasons, not for reasons of being high, but for, you know, asking the universe for help. And so, how does how does that? Can you see that in the art afterwards? Yeah, there's a aspect of Bunny Kitty where it's a dream state, and so in this aesthetic, you see a lot of floating elements mm-hmm. and mushrooms and magic. Mm-hmm. So when you see that, like, um, you see that, like, there's the dream state of Bunny Kitty, and she's like a little bit more of a time traveler in that sense. So like in this spread right here, you see oh, the, cool. Daisy the cat without the suit dreaming, but the dream is like a future kind of like characters yeah. and 
happenings and bullies in the next book. So like these characters that are in this painting, like this one, this one, oh, wow. you know, uh, a few of them aren't in this book. Mm -hmm. Like you don't read about this character Rilla in this book, mm -hmm. you know, like you read it in the next book, but this gives you a little insight of what to come, what's to come. Yeah. So there's like, you know, the, the whole mushroom play and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, for this particular book, I, I microdosed during the entire painting of the, uh, the pictures. Not saying that the pictures are super psychedelic, but maybe right. they, it kind of helped me get um, what I wanted to convey through the pictures and the layout of the of the book. Yeah. Uh, because I was so afraid of doing the book. Like I said, it took 11 years to get around to it. So I didn't even know what approach to take until the shit hit the fan and I had to do something. And so I committed and that's that's the commitment there is, is that is that book so so how does that how does you know the not, not just the success of that project but the, the risk that you took like how does that impact the other things you do in art and work who um i think that it i mean it helped that it really worked and that it was well received and then also that wet paint was well received as well on the uh, coattails of Bunny Kitty. Um, I don't think if uh, if Bunny Kitty worked, I would be sitting here talking to you about it. I don't know what would have happened to me. Sure. Um, I think uh, I would be painting still, uh, but. Uh, now I found myself in a situation where, like, I still need to elaborate on these stories. Mm -hmm. So I like that. I don't know what how long Bunny Kitty will go on for. It's already been twenty years. Yeah. Um, I may, you know, I'm always telling my my one of my daughters is that hey, you know, I could leave Bunny Kitty to you. You could run it as a business. It does make money, and maybe you could take it further than I've taken it. Amazing. You know. Um, and, uh, That's a cool so, idea. I don't know. I don't know that we see a lot of family art businesses. Well, you, well you, I think when you, I think of it, I see, um, you know, Mark Baudet and Von Baudet. You know that relationship between Mark and his father, mm -hmm. and his father teaching him how to draw Cheech and and the lizard, while Mark was still an, uh, an infant, sitting on his father's lap. Oh wow telling him stories and so i mean this is this this is from mark's where you know this is what he told me is that his father taught him how to do it you know and that's so cool mark grew up to be an artist and worked for teenage mutant turtles and did all this stuff but at the same time kept his father's ip intact and kept it alive and i think that's a beautiful thing you know if you could do that Absolutely. um I don't frown on that. I've heard people say otherwise, and I was I was kind of appalled by them even having the idea of like, well, it's in the DNA, right? Like yeah. we're made up of all this ancestral DNA through the. <laughs> it was just handed off to Mark, to, and he had the ability to do it and to do it really well. So like, I think that's a commendable thing, and I think he's done. I, I think it's it's a great look. Yeah. Um, you know, because what comes after Mark, you know, it, it's gone. Sure. Right? Yeah. And uh, because his daughters don't want to do it or his, you know, there's no one that's going to pick up the pencil after him. And uh, 
I think uh, we see it also with family trusts or, uh, you know, um, estates, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, if I leave it to, if I leave Bunny Kitty and it's all the paintings and all the drawings and the, the books and all the product or everything to my family and, and 20 years from now a museum or somebody discovers Bunny Kitty and, and maybe they see the importance of it. Yeah. That uh, oh we want to show that and so they they'll contact my estate so like uh, I'm hoping to leave things like that for my family but I'm trying to teach my daughter like well if you apply yourself and learn about sales and marketing and all that stuff you could be not only because she wants to be an artist oh, cool. you know paints and stuff like that well yeah. please learn about business if you do that right yeah. like know a little bit about business <laughs> what, what are the what are the pieces that you um, that you know you're trying to show her or that like you wish you'd known at the beginning in terms of the I business think side. learning how to protect yourself with contracts when people want to get in bed with you you know yeah. uh what you're bringing to the table and what that means on a piece of paper mm -hmm. for the future how many years that you know what kind of scale that looks like and yeah. what what's the takeaway from it I think it's also like how to protect yourself, uh, copyrights and trademarks, and understanding like how that works, yeah. and and taking the if you if you take your work very serious, uh, like I do with Bunny Kitty and Wet Paint. I, the first thing I did was trademark it, right. you know, yeah. before I had anything. Uh, just to kind of like use that as motivation of like, well, I spent the money, I might as well try to see this thing through. Absolutely. Right. I mean, so, I think it's so interesting. I was actually I was talking to someone on a, a, you know another interview recently on the on the music side about how you know so many artists don't fully understand the business side, so they kind of shy away from it. Yeah. And that's like the opposite of what you want to do is like I don't fully understand this, so you want to like really kind of over protect yourself, right? Sure, you kind of need to get in the face of it. Yeah. And sometimes it's a deterrent for companies and I've seen it happen, it's happened to me, where like they won't, you know, want to work with you in the future or- Is that right? <laughs> I mean, it's happened to me, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean- uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely think- I don't know think, why, but- uh, I've seen some of that. I've seen some, you know, again, just like the artists, I mean, this is good because it means people like me have careers, right? Because there's there's an artist that can make the art, but they don't understand the business side. There's people on the business side that don't understand what it means to be creative and to bring something into the world that didn't exist before. And right. so, um, you know, guys like me get to kind of translate and bridge that gap, and that's cool, but obviously artists need to know, I think on both sides, you, you know, they're both sides benefit from a better understanding of what your partner is going through and what's important to them. Absolutely. And that way you guys, you guys can truly be in a sound uh, business together. Yeah. Right. When everybody's on the same page, it makes you feel uh, like you can sleep at night. Yeah. I mean, presumably you, you want, um, you know, you're going into business with a creative person. You want them to win. Sure. Right? Like, you know, otherwise um, just buy a finished piece of art and don't, and that's artists. it yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah yeah that's really interesting so wh what are you what are you most excited about next uh in terms of art or or anything else 
Oh, geez. Next. Um, I think getting the, the, the next Bunny Kitty book uh, illustrated and the campaign together for that um, and releasing it to the public. Yeah. Um, and announcing that I, I'm ready to drop the next book. Um, I, that's not for, I mean, it probably won't be for six months or so before I start doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of things on the table with wet paint but that are all now frozen. But I think what I'll do is uh, put together a, uh, a small curated show for an online uh, art show. Cool. Um, but that has yet to be kind of uh, figured out and done. So sure. um, I don't know, man. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it for me. It's it's mostly revolving around um, the Bunny Kitty book, and then you know creating some new paintings in the studio. So nice. just take time to do that. Yeah. Are there are there young artists that you kind of have your eye on? Oh, geez. Uh, I think that I'm really into female artists, mm. you know, and what they're doing. I really love Keratos, you know, like I love her work. Uh, Lauren Yes, of course, Amanda Lynn, Gloria Muriel, um, Carly Ely from San Diego, uh, Musa, you know, from, I think she's from Spain, mm-hmm. Matt C. Mm-hmm. There's a really a lot of powerful female artists. No, I mean, that's, that's so great to see. Obviously, uh, art and graffiti, you know, specifically has been so male-dominated for so long. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, no, it's great to see all that happening now. Um, Absolutely. The, the female powerhouse, you know, like it's really cool to kind of see that rise to the, uh, through all the bullshit. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, I got to do a little lightning round before I... Uh, let you get back to work. Um, oh God! Okay, <laughs> that's right. We cut out the uh, the pauses, so take your time. Um, what's your favorite city to travel to? Ooh, Vietnam. Oh, nice. Never been, but uh, amazing. I've heard it's amazing. Amazing food. Yeah, people are got huge hearts, man. Nice. Who's your favorite yeah. DJ? Ooh, DJ. Cuber. Yeah, Cuber, it's incredible. Um, the, the way that dude changed the game is so real. Yeah, it's from another fucking time zone. Or really? not even time zone, <laughs> just mentally, just like just another. Just somewhere in your mind that people don't really tend to turn on, Absolutely. you know, like the ability to see. Uh, to see colors and music and stuff like that. Totally. It's no different totally. from what, you know. He's doing with with records, yeah. right? Oh, that's right. His instruments. Yeah. What uh, What's the last great book you read? <laughs> oh, it was a uh, Holocaust survivor. Um, I I usually work on drawings and stuff while my fiance reads, so I technically don't read them myself. Okay. Uh, it was. Uh, oh shit, man. Uh, I forget. It was just a story of uh, Brian, uh, David Ferber was the survivor, and it was just a story about this young boy that that survived this losing his family and wow, Holocaust and seven years of this war in Poland, and like how he just 
kind of barely made it through and it was a promise to his mom that he would survive and he did yeah and he you know right so Crazy. that was the latest and yeah. so she reads while you're painting yes oh, that's good. she's that she's that sweet that's amazing dude what a, what a great uh, partnership it took me uh 40 something years to find it <laughs> unbelievable i love that um, yeah, man. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability, what would it be? Oh, wow. Uh, the ability to fly. Mm. Hell yeah. But... I'd fly right on out of here. See ya! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, and last thing, if I work for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Bunny kitty, bunny kitty, bunny kitty. <laughs> it's probably what you'd, you'd hear from me the most. Like, this guy and bunny kitty, oh my God. I love it, man. Kill That's me. what it takes. That's what it takes. You know, like, hey, you know, look at the guys that created, like, Snoopy and, like, I'm not saying that, like, I'm Schultz or Disney, but I created a character I believe in, you know, and that other people Absolutely. believe in. So That's enough to fuel me to continue doing it. So, um uh, it's just a part of a part of me and my DNA. So you know, I, I see the positive effects it has on people. So it makes me feel good and it keeps me going. So. Absolutely, wow, I love it, all day. Love it. I'm with thank you. thank you, man. I appreciate appreciate the time, Josh. Dude, this is so much fun, man. I appreciate you uh, sharing your, yeah, your wisdom with us. Um, thank you. Definitely want everyone to check out Bunny Kitty. Check out Web Paint. Check out thank all you. of Persuade's artwork. Um, and we'll be watching for what's next. Good things. Yo, that was Persuay on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. You can hit us on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Facebook, same thing. Um, love to hear if you got some ideas for upcoming episodes, if you got questions, whatever else you got. Hey, there's music in this episode. Courtesy of White House Music, we had tracks from Throwdown and KOH. Hope you enjoyed those. And most importantly, next week, come back for more Rebel Radio.